We turn in God's word to Psalm 63. Psalm 63, let's read this entire psalm. Our text consists of verses 5, 6, and 7. Psalm 63, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Every one that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. Thus far, we read God's holy and infallible word. The text, verses 5, 6, and 7. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches because thou hast been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. Beloved congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ, the text speaks about being satisfied. And it uses words that have to do with food. It uses those words marrow and, and fatness. And I trust that all of us here know what it's like to be satisfied after a big hearty meal. But then the opposite of being satisfied the opposite is not having enough. And if you don't have enough to eat, then you're not satisfied. And maybe for some of us here who have lived for many years and many decades, or at least for our parents and for our great-grandparents who lived long ago, they know what that's like when there's simply not enough food to go around at the supper table and there's that gnawing pain in your belly, going hungry to bed at night. And that's the feeling of not being satisfied and that's a miserable, empty feeling. In Psalm 63, David expresses his extreme confidence knowing that he indeed shall be satisfied and he will not be left empty by God, but that God would fill him. As David 
writes this psalm, his soul is thirsty and his flesh longs for God. More than likely the occasion for this psalm was when David was fleeing Jerusalem when Absalom came and stormed the palace. And during this time, David's soul, as it were, was famished. And yet, even in the midst of his emptiness, David knows that he shall be satisfied. God will look after him. David says, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And the reason for his certainty is that he knows that even as God has helped him in the past... Verse 7, thou hast been my help. And now that gives David the confidence that as he goes forward in the future, that Jehovah God will continue to be the same faithful God unto him, helping him in the past and now going with him in the future. And David has that confidence that my soul shall be satisfied. And now for us, God has brought us to church. The Spirit has led us to the table of the Lord this morning, and we know that we shall leave having been fed and nourished in our souls, making the same confession that David does here in Psalm 63, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And we take that for our theme of the sermon, my soul shall be satisfied. Let's look at the content of that satisfaction. And there we especially answer the question, with what are we satisfied? And then finally, the assurance. My soul shall be satisfied. And so David confesses here that he shall be satisfied in his soul. First, he says, with marrow and fatness. And those two words are synonyms, marrow and fatness, two words that the Bible uses to refer to the fat of an animal. And now that should seem a little strange to us right away. When David says, my soul shall be satisfied with this marrow and fatness, that should seem a little strange to us because as David writes this, keeping in mind that He's in the Old Testament, and yet remembering that in the Old Testament, God gave the specific command to his people not to eat the fat of an animal. That's what the Word of God says in Leviticus chapter 23. Or rather, Leviticus 7 verse 23 and following. In Leviticus 7, verse 23, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, Ye shall eat no manner of fat, of ox or of sheep or of goat, and the fat of the beast that dieth of itself, and the fat of that which is torn with beasts, may be used in any other use, but ye shall in no wise eat of it, for whosoever eateth the fat of the beast of which men offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, even the soul that eateth it shall be cut off from his people. And so God made very clear in the Old Testament whether it was the sacrifice that was brought to the temple 
or whether it is even a sacrifice uh, in one's own private home, the fat was not to be eaten. You may use it for other purposes, but to consume that fat was forbidden. The only one who may consume that fat was Jehovah God, as that fat would be offered upon the altar. And the reason why is that fat was considered to be the best part of the animal. That might seem a little strange to us, but in Old Testament times, the fat was considered to be the very best part so that when the Israelites brought a sacrifice to the temple, they always must bring the very best to God. And that was done by way of burning the fat. And the Israelite and the priest must be content with consuming a portion of the meat of that animal, but the very best was first to be given to God, to be offered upon the altar. So when David speaks here in Psalm 63 of marrow and fatness, he's speaking of fat in that figurative sense of the word. He's speaking about it as referring to the very best part. And that's not something very difficult for us to understand. We know what that's like. You think of a choice piece of meat that you like, the most tender, delicious, savory part of that steak or pork chop, the, the very best part, the choicest morsel. And that's what David has in mind when he speaks of marrow and fatness. Now when David speaks of this marrow and fatness, he doesn't have in mind physical food. And for that matter, as we come to the table of the Lord this morning, we're not simply partaking of a physical food, but more and especially a spiritual food. And that's what David has in mind as well. He's looking for that spiritual food for his soul. And that becomes evident when David says that my soul shall be satisfied. His soul, so that he's not looking for a big hearty meal of mashed potatoes and gravy that may satisfy him physically. But he's looking for something more. He's looking for the satisfaction of his soul. And that requires a spiritual food. And then also spiritual food is evident by what he says, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. So that tells us that he doesn't have in mind actual marrow and fatness. But he's saying, just like marrow and fatness would satisfy a man physically, so also I seek that food that will satisfy me spiritually. Let's be more specific. What exactly is David expecting to be satisfied with? Well, this marrow and fatness has spiritual significance. David will partake of the very best. And that very best is the goodness of God 
himself. And as that goodness of God even radiates forth in in all of God's attributes. And you look at some other verses in this psalm. In verse 2, David longs to see the power of God and the, the glory of God, the power of God to deliver him from all of his enemies, the glory of God as God shows himself to be the great deliverer of his people. David will enjoy the power and and the glory of God. And then further, David will enjoy the loving kindness of God. That's verse 3. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. The loving kindness of God, whereby God is merciful to his people to all those who trust in him, so that these things, these attributes of God, David will experience and he will enjoy them and they will be his sustenance and David expects to taste this goodness of God when he returns to the sanctuary. But even as David is away from Jerusalem, even as David is away from God's house for a while, and even still David confesses in verses 5 and 6, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. That's when David is experiencing that satisfaction of his soul as well. When he goes to bed at night. And, there, and here we see David is just like us. You see him going to bed at night. But before he falls asleep, in his mind, he is rehearsing all of the tender mercies that God has shown unto him. He meditates on the power of God and the glory of God and the loving kindness of God in all of his life. And that's something that we ought to do as well. Maybe it's a time of nightly devotion before we go to sleep, to read the Bible, and then to think on that passage of the Bible, to meditate on that passage of the Bible, and to meditate especially upon the goodness of God and the power of God and the glory of God and the loving kindness of God shown to me a sinner. And in that way, we also can say, my soul shall be satisfied because this God is my God and this Savior is my Savior. But meditating on the goodness of Jehovah, David knows that he will be satisfied with this good spiritual food. And this morning before you and me, there is good food on the table And it's not simply a physical food that we will consume. Yes, there is that physical aspect to it, the bread and the wine, but that which it represents amounts to a spiritual feast and it amounts to the very, very best. None other than the body and blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that body and blood of Jesus Christ is, is the goodness of God 
of which David expects to partake because it speaks of the power of God in sending Jesus Christ into this world to save such sinners as you and me. It speaks of the loving kindness and faithfulness of God in delivering us from the bondage of sin and delivering us into his kingdom. You and I partake in a spiritual way and in so doing, we very really partake of the very best, the very best of God, which is Jesus Christ and him crucified. But then not only today, not only during this worship service, but that goodness and that satisfaction of God will linger with us throughout this coming week so that even tonight, as we meditate upon God, in the night watches, which we are called to do, then we will remember that I was fed this morning with the very best, with the body and blood of my Savior, as that was symbolized in the sacrament, as that was set forth in the preaching. And I have been more and more united to his sacred body. What a blessing. What a privilege to me, who am the chief of sinners, to enjoy this blessing and the blessing of this Lord's Day lingers with us throughout the coming week. But now David knows that this good food is not simply good as an adjective, but now it's something that will indeed satisfy his soul. He says, my soul shall be satisfied. And again, it's not an earthly satisfaction. We know what that earthly satisfaction is like. Sometimes after a big meal, a Thanksgiving meal or a Christmas meal, we can be so satisfied that we feel miserable and we feel lazy and we feel sleepy. That's not the type of satisfaction that David has in mind, but it's a spiritual satisfaction because previously, there was an emptiness in his soul, which is the emptiness of sin and the misery of sin. But David now partakes of the goodness of God and, and he's filled. David is satisfied. He had needs. He had that emptiness. But now those needs are filled and that emptiness has become full. His soul is no more in distress. His soul is satisfied. And his soul is satisfied for especially two reasons. Because the food that he partakes of is something that very really addresses the need that he has. If you are hungry and somebody gives you a bowl of popcorn, that's not going to address the need that you have. And you're not going to be satisfied. But the food that David partakes of is exactly that which addresses the need that he has. The need to have his sins washed away, the need to have those sins dealt with, and to be filled with the mercy of God, and that's exactly what we have in Jesus Christ. 
and what David has in, his, in the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ who washes away his sins, who bestows all of the blessings of salvation. That great need that you and I have is addressed in Jesus Christ. And therefore, he's the only satisfaction for our souls. But we can go further and to say that this spiritual food satisfies not only because it's Jesus Christ, but then in connection with that, because this food is, is so abundant. And here you look at these words used in the text, marrow and fatness, and that refers to the very best of the animal and then implied not just to a little bit of that animal, the fat that which would be offered, but all of that fat and all of that goodness, not, not just the last good crumbs as it were, not just a bone being thrown to the dog and there's a little bit of meat on that bone for that dog, but no, this marrow and fatness is the goodness of God given to David in great abundance so that David doesn't expect to taste the goodness of God just a little, doesn't expect to taste that spiritual satisfaction in a small way, but abundantly. What does that teach us about Jesus Christ? It teaches us that Jesus Christ is no small savior. It teaches us that the work that Jesus Christ set out to do was not just a little. It teaches us the greatness of our sins, but it teaches us the great power of our Savior to wash away all of those sins and that gaping hole of the misery of sin has now been completely filled with the goodness and the righteousness and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, it's the complete satisfaction that we seek for of the justice of God against our sins. And that's abundant. And that's the overflowing goodness of God, giving me that which I don't deserve, the forgiveness of all of my sins, and union with my Lord and my Savior. And now as David anticipates partaking of this good marrow and fatness, he knows and is assured that he will be satisfied. There's that confidence in his heart and soul that he's going to be satisfied. And David knows that for two reasons. In the first place, verse 7, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. But note that in verse 7, David says, thou hast been my help. So that when David is meditating and the night watches upon the goodness of God, he's thinking also in the past. He's thinking about all of those times in life where Jehovah has been my help. Was there one particular time that David had in, in mind 
When he writes Psalm 63, was it that time when he came against the giant Goliath and God was my help? Was it when David was perhaps out fighting the enemies? David was a fighting king. He was the warring king. And when God gave him the victories over all the Philistines and the Ammonites and everybody else, did David have in mind his struggle with his own besetting sin and how God helped him and delivered him? Well, we don't know exactly what David is thinking of, but there were a number of different occasions where David could say, Jehovah hast been my help. But that God has helped David in the past, that's all the assurance that David now needs in the present. Because God has helped him in the past, David knows that Jehovah will continue to help me. He will show himself to be the same God as he has in the past. In the past as he helped me and fed me, now in my present misery and distress, he will help me. He will take care of me. He will lead me. He will guide me. And I know that because Jehovah is unchanging, faithful to all his word, to all his covenant. And beloved, that's our confidence too. That's our confession, verse 7, that God has been my help. And that's of no little comfort when we look forward to the future. And we ought to take a moment or two and reflect back on that time in your life, in me and my life, when we were going through that very difficult struggle. Perhaps you lost a job. Perhaps you were extremely even deathly sick. Perhaps it was a battle that you had against your own besetting sin. But you were in the valley of distress. You were at the point of despair. And at that time, you thought, my cause is hopeless. I'm undone. I'm done. But then what happened? God showed himself to be strong. God showed himself to be the great shepherd of his sheep. And he led you. He guided you. And he brought you through that struggle. It was hard. It was painful. There were tears. God brought you through. Because he's faithful. And he's unchanging. And now with that same confidence, you may say, Jehovah God has been my help in the past. He has led me through. And therefore, in whatever present trial or distress I might be in, Jehovah will see me through. Because he is God. And he is Jehovah. And in the second place, David knows that he shall be satisfied so certain even of his soul being satisfied that he says at the end of verse 5, and my mouth shall praise thee with, with joyful lips. And here we see David not only looking forward to being satisfied, but it, it's almost as if he sat down at the table already and has enjoyed the marrow and fatness of God in store for him. And so he must praise God. He is compelled 
to praise God. You see, no man finding his soul satisfied fails to praise God for it. And that means that if you and I leave church this morning and if we are not of a mind to give praise to God, then we must examine whether we understand the Lord's Supper and we must under, examine whether we even understand the Christian faith. But this praise that we render to God is the result of the satisfying of our souls. Because in the first place, it's God's purpose to receive praise when my soul is satisfied. The purpose of God, even with us coming to this worship service and to the table of the Lord, the purpose of God isn't finally that my soul is satisfied. That is God's purpose. But God's final purpose is that his name be glorified and praised on our behalf. And so... God brings us to church. God brings us to the table. God feeds our hungry and thirsty souls, not simply for our sakes, but for his sake, because to him belongs all honor, praise, and glory. And we find that right here in this psalm. David says that my mouth, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. And then that satisfaction that God works in us, it also works gratitude in our hearts so that we would thank God. Even as we enjoy a good meal by a host and we say thank you for that meal, that was very good, so also we fall down on our knees and thank God with joyful lips, praising him for that full and free deliverance that we have in Jesus Christ. Beloved, with praise in our lips and thanksgiving in our hearts, let's come to the table of the Lord then this morning, eating and drinking to the satisfying of our souls. And may God, by his grace, see to it that we are filled with marrow and with fatness and that we are filled even with the very best Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father which art in heaven, we thank thee for thy word. Apply it to our hearts. We thank thee for the spiritual food that thou hast set before us and that we may partake of Jesus Christ and become more and more united to his body and be assured of that with the elements of the bread and wine. Give us that confidence that thou art for us and therefore nothing can be against us and feed us on this Sabbath day. In Jesus' name we ask this, amen.